Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, March 28, 2019. I'm excited because it's opening day for the other teams, other than Oakland and Seattle, but they're playing too. I'm Eric. He's Tristan. Joining us today, courageous editorial watchdog, sad face, Leo Howell. And of course, the Marvin Gonzalez of our club, Kyle Sapi, researcher, producer, movie watcher, pal. Tristan, it's opening day. Uh, you know, it's a special day. We watch baseball all day. I mean, we can watch baseball any day for the next six months. Uh, say goodbye to your families. But um, <laughs> today is kind of cool. Like, it's like the first one. We finally get stats. Everybody's going to overreact to them. I just, there's something special about opening day. Opening day, yeah! I love this day. It's one of the best days of the year. And the only thing I could say, if anything that was even in the slightest shred negative about our opening day, is that, oh, I wish there had been a 10 p.m. game so I could stay up until 1.30 a.m. just watching, watching baseball for 12-plus straight hours. Woo! But I can't wait for today. There's no 10 p.m. game? No. And then there's no day games tomorrow, which... But, you know, I didn't make the schedule. Very weird MLB schedule that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't make this schedule either. However, we are a Monday-Thursday show. Listen when you can. We appreciate it. Um, For now, we're going to talk about all the news of the day and the injuries and a big trade and the next couple days of games. Here's the buzz. All right, let's start with uh, happy stuff (laughs) first. Um, so we kind of knew last week that Eloy Jimenez would make the White Sox because he signed a long-term contract and there was no reason for them to demote him, unlike Vlad Guerrero. But Fernando Tatis, I did not see that one coming, Tristan. He is uh, on the Padres. Luis Urias is not. Uh, but, you know, that could be a month, a couple weeks. We don't really know. Urias just has to hit in the minors. I'm not really sure why he was demoted, I guess because they signed Ian Kinsler. But, um... Between Eloy and Tatis and, and Vlad, where do you rank all these guys? People still have weekend drafts coming up. Who's the first one you draft? <laughs> That's a good question there. I'm taking Eloy first. And, uh, well, actually, uh, yeah, if we're, if we're lumping Vlad into this one, I'd still take Vlad first. Uh, Eloy is second. Uh, and I'm thinking just in terms of the guys who actually made the opening day rosters, I'd go Fernando Tatis third. I want to believe on Fernando Tatis here, and and Eric, you know where I moved him up. I had him a top 150 overall player after this news had broken. I've got him in my top 20 short steps. It's a very deep position. That's why that number doesn't sound a little bit lower than that, or a little higher in the ranks, depending on what your perspective is. Uh, but I worry a little bit about the batting average, just because he's had issues with making contact consistently in the minors, so I'm kind of kind of curious to see exactly how that plays out but it's great news I, I was wondering a little bit about this going into my weekend drafts when he had still been in spring training camp with the Padres and they had the, been dropping whispers that he might make the team there I, it's strange to see it at Urias's expense however why are we drafting Vlad over Eloy I you know for the MLB uh, for our MLB page I predicted Eloy would win rookie of the year in part because it's going to be up an extra month than Vlad will then I started sort of thinking, why am I ranking Vlad ahead? What is that? Why does that make any sense? I we think Eloy is going to be pretty much as good batting average and power wise, and he gets an extra month. So what's your answer to that? I I think that from a career perspective, yeah, they're right there. 
But when I'm going to rank prospects like this, especially ones where we have no stats whatsoever, I want the hit tool. And for me, the hit tool for Vlad Guerrero is just a little bit ahead of Eloy Jimenez's. And I love Jimenez. You know I'm a very big fan of his. But I think that that advantage gives him the higher floor. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's a shred of batting average risk. His plate coverage, Vlad's, is exceptional. So even just with the three projected miss weeks, which is what I'm doing in terms of the numbers, I think that he he just gives you a little bit more safety and stability. Fair enough. Moving on. Speaking of stability, Francisco Lindor's left ankle doesn't sound so stable at this point. He's on the injured list. This is not the same injury that he had. He had a calf injury, and he suffered this one in a minor league game, rehabbing it, and now we're told he could miss April. Now, that makes Lindor Lindor not a first-round pick anymore. Jose Ramirez actually might play today, but Lindor... You know, these leg injuries, he stole a career-high 25 bases last season. Now he might not play until May 1st, and he might not steal bases. Where do you take Lindor now? So, uh, yeah, without the exact timetable for him, which is is immensely frustrating, uh, I I cannot even think about him in the first round. Uh, Because of the depth of shortstops, I, I don't think he's even a candidate for the top three. And I'd argue... He's borderline top 25 overall. I, I do think now there are legitimate concerns about him, the the possibility that he could miss a month's action. I mean, if, if this doesn't go well, does make him a riskier option. I, I just can't, I mean, look at look at the, the richness of the top 15 overall players. I don't think he's even in that conversation anymore. I agree. If he's missing a month, he's got to go outside the top 25. Uh, Ramirez stays in my top 10 because he's playing. He suffered an injury last week, so that's good news. Um, we have a tra- uh, other injuries. Let's uh, do that before we get to the trade. So Justin Upton, turf toe. Um, that could be a month. You know, that may not be just 10 days. That's something that I'm worried about. Um, what do you think of the Angels here and Upton? You know, every year we just kind of pencil in Upton for his numbers, and every year he does it. Is this the year it just falls apart? It might, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm sorry for being wrong on this one. That I I thought that uh, the Angels taking a conservative approach to him entering spring training with his injury was just them realizing he's a veteran who didn't need a lot of time. And then to me, this is a setback. Uh, I worry about that. I, I worry about the prospects that this could be a lingering injury. That this is one that could impact his numbers even when he comes back to play. So I did move him down. I have. I have real questions about whether he's even a top 100 player. And you know I'm a very pro Justin Upton guy. I I feel like he's a a consistently top 50 overall player. I don't know if top 100 is even in the conversation. I agree. I moved him out of my top 100. And I think that it's – and I did that before we even knew how bad it was um, because I thought, you know, this could linger for a while. Angels don't really have a good replacement. They got Brian Goodwin off waivers, right, Um, after everybody else was dumping him. And um, so it's not like there's an obvious minor leaguer to come up here and play, um, and that that weakens the depth of their lineup as well. For now, it looks like Brian Goodwin might be their left fielder, or Peter Burjos, my goodness. Yeah. That's a nice platoon they have there. (laughs) Um, Okay, and Steven Souza, poor guy, uh, Arizona. It's a serious – he tore everything in the knee. And it it didn't look like – yeah. You know, you stepped on home plate odd, and then it wasn't just the ACL. It was the MCL. It was the LCL. It was every L you could think of. He's out for the season, so they will move Adam Jones to right field, where he should never have played center in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, and can tell Marte should be the center fielder. So, in a way, it's good news for Marte, who could have lost some playing time because of the Adam Jones signing. Um, still have questions here about Wilmer Flores, if he plays regularly, if Christian Walker ever gets a shot. Your thoughts on Arizona? 
it's you know this this had shades of AJ Pollock to me. It, it, this was I believe in Chase Field where the injury happened. Wasn't that game in there? Yeah, it where, was. Yeah, where it was coming into home plate and Pollock had the same issue where he missed a substantial amount of time on a play at home plate. Uh, it's kind of eerie that way. Um, it does stink for Souza. It, it continues to to bring up the injury history that you and I talked about. I, I feel like we jinxed him just by talking about him. It is, I suppose, a positive for a lot of the other players. If there had been any questions about the at-bats for Christian Walker, we debated that before, Will, uh, Wilmer Flores, it could have taken a few games away from guys like Jake Lamb and Eduardo Escobar across the diamond. I think it solidifies the roles of those players. It keeps Walker on the team. It gives them chances to put him in the lineup. That's a plus. It gives Marte a couple of different paths to playing every day. I think that's a very good thing for him. So a nice little bump. Just throw an extra bucket any of these if you haven't drafted yet i agree and i but i do feel like we might have overrated Cattell Marte. like what's his statistical ceiling here like even if he does get 600 plate appearances it's not a 20 homer guy he's not a 20 steel guy what is Cattell Marte? i'm trying to be fair here have we overrated yep. him no, I think you're being very fair to uh, to to the Cattell Marte projection because the concern is that the stolen bases haven't been there and our perception is that's where most of his value is going to come. I do think he has the natural speed in order to get to 20 stolen bases, but there's absolutely no evidence other than I know he's a quick guy who is capable of it and showed it in the minors. I'm, I'm kind of going out on a limb just saying that I think he could get there. I think we're looking at probably a 15-15 season of all clicks just right. Uh, there was a little bit more of a hint of the, the underlying power numbers that said maybe there's more growth there, but there's nothing that's hard evidence that says today it's going to be there. So. Maybe he's a borderline top 200 guy. I didn't really move him up in my ranks. I've had him right around there the whole spring. By the way, back to Luis Urias for just a second here. I, you know, in a, from a fantasy sense, even if he was San Diego's starting shortstop, I didn't think he had any power or speed here to do anything. It's great bat-to-ball skills. Maybe he would have batted 300, but I think it would have been hollow. So in a way, I kind of compare Urias to Keston Cura and the old member Yunel Escobar who always used to hit for average, and if he batted second in the order, he'd score runs, but he was never hitting for power. He was never stealing bases. In a way, I think Orius is being overrated in the fantasy world, and I think Hura will be as well, though I don't see Hura playing this year for the Brewers. Mm -hmm. um, just my thoughts on Orius. Like, Very I just, fair. I don't know. Okay. Very fair. Um, what else? Okay, uh, the trade. Um, Kendrick Morales was dealt to Oakland last night because of the injury to Matt Olson, but we need to make it clear, like, Olsen's not dead. He's going to come back in a month, and Morales is going to keep playing, I think. I don't think Morales is a bench option for them. I think he's their regular DH now when Olsen comes back. Olsen's a gold-glove caliber first baseman. And what this means to me is that Chris Davis is going to have to play the outfield starting in May when Olsen comes back, which takes a job from potentially Franklin Barreto, who is getting demoted today. You and I are both high on this kid and think he could do some nice things, and he was going to have to move to left field because there's no room on that team at second or short. Rowdy Telez will play first base in Toronto, and I like him. So your thoughts on Telez? Can we make him a top 20 first baseman? And Barreto and Pinder now, obviously not as uh, exciting as we thought a couple days ago. I, I can't. So Telez first, I can't. Uh, I, I do think that he's become interesting in the AL onlys and the very deep mix we're talking. It's got to be at least 15 teams. Just because I think based on his minor league history, he's got a decent rep for contact. Maybe he could get to 250 and 20 without a lot of downside. I think they will play him a fair amount. But it could also mean Teoscar Hernandez plays while Billy McKinney does and Telez isn't in there every day. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I just think it, it provides an option for them to throw a, another guy into the lineup. 
lineup. So if you're in those deeper leagues, go ahead. I'd probably find him more interesting than Greg Bird. In Oakland, I agree with you on the fact that Olsen's got to play because of the defense, even if he struggles with the power coming back initially from the injury. I don't know how that's going to play out with Chris Davis in the outfield. I don't think Kendris Morales has a, a an everyday path to at-bats once Olsen returns. I, I wonder whether he ends up being a bench time half of a bench bat half of the time. I, I do have some concerns about that just because I don't think he's good defensively at first base, and I don't think it helps their defense to put Chris Davis in the outfield regularly. What I didn't look at, Eric, is that I didn't see how many games the A's have in National League ballparks before Olsen comes back. They could try Davis out. They could experiment him with him there in the NL parks. Maybe that will tell us something. By the way, it's not like Davis has never played the alpha. He was a regular left fielder. He's not a good one, but it doesn't really, we don't downgrade the Oakland pitchers and it doesn't change his hitting stats. It's just something interesting to me. If you own Morales, I think he's going to get 600 plate appearances, but we'll see what happens with them. By the way, getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It is hard to know who to trust. And that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, listeners to this fine show get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code FFB today. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, lots of tickets for, for today's games. I'm looking at the lineups uh, for opening day, Tristan, and uh, some interesting stuff. So let's go through that a little bit and then some of the starting pitchers for the next, I guess, four days. And our general thoughts there. So as of the, the, our morning taping, we have lineups for the early games. Pete Alonso is batting second for the Mets against Max Scherzer. Now, it's too late for people to activate or whatever for today. They've already Games have already started when they're listening. But that's a good sign that Pete Alonso is batting second. I'm, I did not expect that. It's in between Nimmo and Cano. Does this up our projection on Alonso? Not necessarily, but I think it, it is uh, kind of strengthens the projection for playing time, which is a, a big thing for him. I like seeing the commitment from the Mets that he's going to be the everyday player. The risk here is that going against Max Scherzer, this could very well be an 0-4-4 strikeout game. And I wonder whether the Mets are doing this in order to get a very quick read while they're waiting on guys like Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry to get fully healthy to see whether Alonzo is ready to take first base. And then they'll figure it out, the other positions working around him. So from that aspect, I like it. I think it's going to give us answers quickly, which is a plus. Um, a lot of good number two hitters. Um, Trey Turner for Washington, Aaron Judge, Goldschmidt for the Cardinals, Yelich, of course, Dwight Smith for the Orioles. Um, so <laughs> Glad I you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the Orioles because that doesn't look like a, that looks like a triple A lineup, frankly. I've got Cedric Mullins on a team or two. I actually benched him and I, maybe I'll activate him again for Monday where I can. Rhea Ruiz is playing third base. This is a mess. Chris Davis batting seventh. What do you do, like, if you have VR, who's batting third, Mancini, with the mess around him? Like, do you want any Orioles or no? I mean, for me, it was only VR. He's the only Oriole. I was, I mean, Dylan Bundy on the mound, but from the from the offensive perspective, VR was the only one I really cared all that much about. I, I do see some 
opportunities in the deeper leagues for uh, Cedric Mullins, as you mentioned a minute ago, for Mancini. Uh, I suppose you could get some daily league uh, usefulness out of guys like Joey Rickard and Chris Davis. And, yeah, I know the bad Chris Davis, if the, if the matchups are right. I'll point out that the Orioles in the first week of the ESPN leagues, they do face five lefties. So Mancini could be a useful guy there. Maybe Rickard in the very deep leagues could give you something. Beyond that, triple-A mm, lineup. Yeah, you're right. Let's talk Leo's Tampa Bay Rays because I like this lineup and I do feel like we don't have enough shares. And the only guy on the Rays uh, among the hitters going in the top 200 overall in ESPN ADP is Tommy Pham. That's it. Now, maybe you can't make the case for these lefties and others in the order, but Austin Meadows, G-Man Choi batting third. He's got pop. He hits righties. Brandon Lowe, the DH, uh, Yandy Diaz, Joey Wendell, who had a fine year last year. I like Tampa Bay's lineup. It's against Verlander, okay, so maybe you don't want to play them today. But tell me what you think of Choi, Lowe, Diaz in the middle of that lineup. That could be like 70 home runs there maybe? I think if all clicks, it, it certainly could happen. I, I think that they'd have to work a little bit on the launch angle of Yandy Diaz for the three of them to combine to get to that level. But I think there's a lot of upside in Choi, Lowe, and Diaz. And I like the fact that the the first raise lineup that counts has those guys batting three, four, five. It's a very promising sign also for their playing time. I will definitely be watching them in the ESPN leagues because I think there's value there. And I think it's especially true in that it's tough to get these guys on draft day just because of the DH only. Choi and, and Diaz were DH only. They're going to pick up probably first base and third base eligibility fairly quickly there. Brennan Lau, I think, was you know a mega sleeper for most of spring training. A cleanup hitter right now? Oh, I like seeing that. Yes, and I mispronounced his name. It is Lau. Um, good for you. Because uh, Nathaniel else? Lowe, who is not related, has it spelled the same way, is in the same organization. He's yeah. The Rays like why, to make it tough on us. That's why they did that. That's why he calls it. Lau, why he calls himself Lau? I don't. I don't think it's why. I just mean it's it's confusing because they've been in the same lineups this spring and their names are pronounced differently despite being spelled the same. Because English is a fun language. Don't forget Willie Ibar's in that lineup. Of course. Uh, who who would ever? <laughs> um, let's talk briefly about some pitchers for the next four days. These are guys who I think are available. Would you add them? Would you ignore them? Will they be added in all leagues if they pitch well? I want to start with my man Brad Keller, who, who I've got in a bunch of leagues, faces the White Sox today. I think that's a pretty good option, even against Eloy. But I, I think Brad Keller is under-rostered. Uh, and I think you're right. Uh, he graded a 54 forecaster projection, and the matchup was a plus matchup. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be on board. I, I do think he's in the matchups class right now, though, so you'll have to do a lot of homework. Um, John Lester, Cole Hamels, both pitching this weekend at Texas. That is not going to be friendly, especially with Hunter Pence batting fifth as the DH today. But I know you're not a fan of Lester and his numbers are progressing in the wrong way. And Hamels was at Texas last year and was allowing two or three homers a game. Would you use these guys at Texas? Would you use Cubs starting pitchers at Texas this weekend? I would try not to, uh, just because, and, and you Darvish gets the best grade here in terms of the projections. I worry about the injury that he dealt with during spring training. I wonder how deep he's going to go into that game. So when you put him into that, that bucket with these other two, Lester and Hamels, I actually think Hamels is the most interesting from a fantasy angle. And I, I know that from a lineup approach, uh, a Rangers um, a, a Rangers matchup is actually a plus matchup. It's just the ballpark is a bad one. So I'd, I'd try to fade all three of these if I could and I had enough options. 
Madison Bumgarner at San Diego, he normally eats that lineup up, but it's a different lineup. It's a good offense. I assume that, wow, how do they, I want to see the lineup because I want to see Hunter Renfro and Fran Reyes in against the lefty. But Bumgarner's last outing went very poorly in spring training. Now, maybe he didn't care. Maybe he wasn't trying. I don't know. But if Bumgarner gets lit in this one, we're talking about that on Monday's show. Yes, especially in light of what was kind of an up and down spring training, which is what really concerns me. If you look at anything projection related, it's plus talent, plus park, plus matchup. And yet I'm still not sold here. Frankly, I, I could make you the case that Derek Holland in the second game is a better is going to have the better day fantasy wise than Madison Bumgarner. I mean, that that kind of uh, shows you what kind of downside there is in this matchup. So I agree. I think it's a little bit of a trap. All right, on Friday, uh, the ESPN Plus game is Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton, former teammates there at Tampa Bay. You're using both those guys. Um, let me see. And it's not a lot of games on Friday. They must be so tired from Thursday. Um, how about um, Freddie Peralta of the Brewers? Brewers going with a kind of young pitching staff to start the season. Chase Anderson is in the bullpen. No sign of Jimmy Nelson. He's still hurt. What do you do with Brewers starters here? And where would you kind of like rank them, I guess, is my question. Because Peralta has definitely shown strikeout stuff. Okay, he's also shown walk stuff. Um, but they, they've they got a couple young pitchers here. Woodruff, who we I think we all like. Corbin Burns we like as well. How do you rank these guys? Peralta, Woodruff, Burns. Yeah, so for fantasy utility right now, I would rank them Chassin, Woodruff, Peralta, and those two are close, Woodruff and Peralta, Burns, and then Davies. And Davis is a, a pretty far drop down, and that's just because he doesn't miss a lot of bats. I, I worry a little bit about those opening matchups for them. I mean, a Cardinals matchup is not a plus one. That, that's actually, I'd, I'd say it's a minus. Uh, it's a road game, a road series, three after that in Cincinnati. That's a kind of a hitting-friendly ballpark. A lot of home runs can be hit there. Cubs next after that. So I, I wouldn't dive in with the Brewers. I think that they're they're good speculative bench guys more than they are players I want to start initially. You want to use those Colorado starters at Miami this weekend? That's not a good odds. An Orioles-like offense there in South Florida. But you could use Trevor Richards, Rockies on the road. You know, it's not a great lineup there either. And I want to see what Colorado does, obviously, at second base. Uh, that'll be very interesting to I'd see. I'd say what all they do. three of those Marlins pitchers, not Arena, Richards, Pablo Lopez, and, well, Caleb Smith gets the Mets in the next series are very intriguing fantasy options for streaming in that first home uh, homestand. I've got Pablo Lopez on so many teams. Saturday, let's see what's interesting here. How about Zach Godley? Two years ago, very good. Last year, not so good. Against the Dodgers, we don't know what their lineup's going to be. Every day it's going to be different there. But what are you doing with Zach Godley this year? Do you use him early in the season? He seems like a guy who should be available in a lot of leagues. Uh, I don't know if people are going to want to pick him up. Yeah, so Godley is one of the ones who I, I found had a surprising split between the points-based and the rotisserie leagues, and this took me a, a quite a bit by surprise, and it's mainly because he still gets enough Ks, even with a bad season, is that in the points leagues, he was actually a, a, a very intriguing mid-to-late rounder, and I thought he was undraftable in rotisserie leagues from a mis, from a standard mixed league perspective. Uh, a Dodgers game in that ballpark, I know it's against that tough lineup, I'm interested. I'm going to have my eyes on that game. I'm probably going to have to watch every pitch he throws to see whether there's anything there for future matchups. He gets Boston after that, so it's a little tough for me to buy in initially. I'd say bench stash right now. Colin McHugh back in the rotation. Tyler Glass now is in it for Tampa. Which guy are you using there? I I actually would use both of them. I, I think that this is a good matchup because we know that Tampa Bay does have that very pitching-friendly ballpark, and 
I think McHugh gets a little bit underrated. It might be just the relief eligibility alone. He didn't get the starting eligibility. He's a reliever for, for the initial stage of your year. Sunday, um, the Sunday night game on ESPN is the Braves at Philadelphia. Kyle Wright, who looked good in spring training against Jake Arrieta, who sometimes did. Um, you know, Arietta's obviously rostered in a lot of ESPN leagues. Should he be? We did not rank him well. People basically were drafting him because of his name. But that was not a great fantasy season last year. And what are you doing with the Brave starters this weekend? Because they got a couple names that people just don't know. So, Arietta, um, the matchup grades poorly on this one. So, I, I, if, if people are afraid to use him, then okay, I get it. I, I feel like there was a lot of value in him based on where he was going. I, I was targeting Arietta in a lot of my drafts. I, I feel like there's, there's some underrated value there, and I wonder whether he's going to improve a little bit. I just don't think that the Cy Youngs that he had in the past are in the cards at all. I don't think the upside's there. Braves, I'm, I'm with you on Kyle Wright. I, I think Kyle Wright is a very interesting pitcher. As a matter of fact, his talent grade in the forecaster projects as the near equal to Julio Tehran's, who did have a pretty decent spring training and I think has a, a much more extensive reputation of you know years where he's helped fantasy teams. So I, I'm willing to believe there. I think even in that tough ballpark, even against that tough lineup, maybe Kyle Wright has something for you. Maybe you throw a dart there on the Sunday if you're you know playing a league that ends on Sunday in your head-to-head matchup and you need to chase. I think maybe there's there's something there for him. I don't know about the rest. I really don't know about the rest. I, I I'm scared of everybody else in the Braves rotation right now. You? I I agree with that. Tehran, I don't like today. Kyle Wright, I think there's some nice positive upside. And there's a bunch of other right-handers to watch on Sunday here that are just available in every league. Jorge Lopez of the Royals, I like. Maybe not as much as Pablo Lopez, but against the White Sox. I think Jorge Lopez is a breakout guy for the Royals. May not win a lot, but might suppress runs. Frankie Montas of Oakland, I want to see what he does. And, of course, Chris Paddock, that's his first start at home against the Giants. It's not a great Giants lineup. I would definitely go with Paddock on Sunday. Yeah, Pat and Paddock is definitely going to be one of those games you've got to watch. Uh, the, the, I will note this just for, for the planning uh, angle. The Padres have a little bit of uncertainty because they haven't declared the fifth starter. So I'd watch to make sure that Sunday ends up being Paddock's day. It's going to probably be either Saturday or Sunday. They could push him to Monday if they need to. So just be careful about those three spots. But I do think he's a, a definite option for you. Montas, I'm actually I'm glad you brought him up. A little upset that I didn't get a couple of shares because there was some talk about the fact he used a splitter a little bit more during spring training. That's a different look for the hitters he's facing, and I wonder whether it's going to pay some sort of dividends. I feel like I wish I had stashed, stashed him on a couple of AL-only benches, and I didn't. That does not sound like... Burn, baby, burn! That is not the lady with emphysema, I'm quite certain. Uh, no, but it's opening day. Take me out to the ball game, Bernie Williams. Come on. And Yankees get the first game, yeah. so it's perfect. I thought it Way made to sense. Go, Kyle. Thank you. I'm fine with this. This is fine. It won't be a regular, but you know, a special occasion. I no, thought you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay with it. You know, I do it whenever you want. I, it's fine. Wow. I, I like it. Okay. It's, it's, it's kumbaya music. I, you know, it's nice. And I'm going to be more laid back this season. So if there's changes, you know, if like different music on a show or if you know a close friend is no longer on the show or if something changes on the show or anything or if i'm gonna be able... singing or <laughs> if if that yes i'm gonna just kind of roll with the punches as they say okay you know because what else what else are you gonna do what can you do can't you know? do much about it i control nothing 
People on Twitter think we control a lot of things that are changing at ESPN. We don't. <laughs> we all I do is talk and write, you know. But, but um, the, the, I get where people are coming from with the frustration of MLB team, MLB yes. teams with the injured list. That is an MLB roster rule thing. We've explained it, and it happens every year. Sorry. Hey, look, if the Reds wanted to wait until noon today to DL Scooter Jeanette, that is their right. Yeah, you know, it benefits I, them. It's nothing. And we can't do anything about it. We can't just flip a switch. But let's get to some hash browns, Kyle. Yeah, no problem. Eric from Twitter wants to know, how do you treat April? Are there any circumstances in which your evaluation of a certain player or team significantly changes in the first month of the season? Or do you just sit back and watch and see what happens? I feel like it's different for every player, right? Certainly there are certain players that I will have more patience with than others. If Christian Yelich bats 210 in April, I'm not doing anything. I'm not trading him away. I'm not benching him. But if Brandon Woodruff gets lit in his first two outings, that's different. You know, if Bumgarner gets hammered today, that's different. There are Greg Holland. That's different. Right, Tristan? I mean, like, isn't every player a little bit different in how you evaluate their first couple weeks? Yep. It's it's the, the old meaningful data versus the small sample caveat. That's the problem here is that we finally get numbers that matter and that cover every game and can tell us some things about players. And while I, I always advise to take a much larger sample, not just the first week of, of the baseball season, you know, there's stats and they count in your league and they do tell us stories and they give us reads on certain players where we have to make decisions. I tend to find that the highest impact additions that you have in your league are probably going to show their faces in the month of April. So you have to be prepared to react. Right. And, and the point that there is, if there's a free agent in your league and you think he might be something really good, just go get him. I obviously don't drop don't drop somebody who's going to be really good as well. I mean, I'm looking at the most dropped players over the past week at ESPN leagues. They're mostly injury guys. But you're dropping Corey Knable. I don't know that Corey Knable's not going to pitch next week. I don't know that for sure. We'll know for sure tomorrow. You know? We'll we'll know for sure pretty soon. But, you know, Archie Bradley is among the most drops. Greg Holland blows his first save. That situation could change right away. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? You know, DJ LeMayu, if he homers today, maybe right. they'll play him more than we thought they would. Maybe Ian Happ gets promoted back to the majors next week. But if you want to drop these guys, fine. My point is, if somebody goes nuts today, hits hits two home runs, and you're thinking, should I add them? Are they going to be good all year? Take a chance. Why not? Just don't I'm, drop anybody key. Right. I mean, you because you have the Tuffy Rhodes thing. Everybody's going to be bringing that up today. If somebody hits yeah. three home runs and you've never heard of them, the Tuffy Rhodes thing is going to come up. And that player could end up being a truly meaningful player, or he could be the next Tuffy Rhodes. We really don't know the answers. The two best examples for these over the past, I believe it's two years. It might be three years ago for Alonzo here. But Yonder Alonzo, where early on we could tell that he had made a... a substantial change to his swing. He changed his launch angle. It had dated back to spring training, so the seeds were already there, and it showed up in April, and we needed to react. Counter-argument was last year's Matt Carpenter, where you and I talked about it. He stunk in April and May, and injuries had been hanging over his head during spring training and early in the year, and he did look like a cut candidate, and you had to make those judgments. So those are the two extremes. I mean, sometimes you're going to make some moves that work, some that don't, long as you have some sort of firm basis behind them, as, as opposed to just, I'm chasing the two home runs today on opening day for no apparent reason, make the move. Have confidence in your moves. 
And the Padres are the it team. Three of the most added players in ESPN Standard Leagues are Padres, Fernando Tatis, Chris Paddock, Matt Strom. I think they're all going to be great. If you can find room for these guys on your team, go and do it. Next up. So what I'm hearing here is come back every Monday and Thursday and we'll tell you if specific hot player or cold player is worth uh, deciding on. That sounds yeah, like a I good idea. Yeah, and I don't recall exactly what we said about Carpenter in mid-May last year, but Except I can't cover. imagine we were – were we really – yep. I, I did not in a key league, and I was able to add him in another key league. I mean, we obviously didn't see him doing that when he got – it got got everything together, but for for context, I, I if I recall, this was a specific question from somebody about adding Player X and dropping Matt Carpenter, and we gave the endorsement to do it because at that yeah. point there were legitimate concerns. But he showed we that did, the skills yeah. were there still. We did that with Brian Dozier a couple years ago. Remember? Yep. And and look, you've got to make those calls. You, I mean. How long do you sit and wait for a struggling player? Those two players were awful. They were dragging your fantasy team down for six-plus weeks. No, you're right. And, and and you don't know for sure what is going to change, and that's part of the problem. All right, here's something challenging. Hiring. It's challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, listeners to this fine show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Next one's from Ryan. 12 homers for Joey Votto last year. He wants to know how you're feeling about him in 2019. If he gets closer to the 26 and a half homers that he averaged over the past four years. Yep. Double it. Double 12, not 26 and a half. <laughs> no, that would be. You're not calling 53? <laughs> I'm not calling 53 for him. I'm not, I'm not, I, I think Vibe doubles last year's total gets to like 23, 24. I don't think anybody hits 50 home runs this year, but. Other, other than Brandon Lau, of course. <laughs> Votto, 147 spring hitter. Yay! I still fully believe, though. <laughs> One time where I'm tossing those numbers aside. I'm with uh, Eric. Tristan. I say double last year's number. Who hits more home runs, Votto or Brandon Lau? <sighs> you know, I Brandon Lau could be Kingery. I mean... Wow. Give me Votto here. Come on. Yeah. I it's got to be Votto. I, I can't project Lau to, to right away hit 25 home runs, but I think there's upside to to do it the the Brandon Lau problem is what I would say about the A's two years ago where the Rays are notoriously matchup dependent and without a locked in everyday role for Lau does he get quite enough at bats to get there I'm a little bit they got a lot of stuff they get a lot of players they can play a lot of moving parts yes all right what's next all right next up is Jeff he wants to know why Wade Miley isn't getting some love is the 2019 version of 2018 Charlie Morton well, there's 
there's one major, major category difference there. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Morton struck out 200 batters. Wade Miley is striking out. What was his K? Was it six per nine? Was it even uh, last that high? Year he was five five eight per nine. Yeah, that's that's like Carlos Silva like low, not loud low. That's <laughs> bad. Yeah. So even if Wade Miley, Wade Miley could get some love as a dart throw for ERA and WHIP and wins purposes. Like I like him in Houston. I, I think he, I think he could win double digits with an ERA on the good side of four. I think what he did last season, major ground ball guy, can be sustained. But you're almost giving up the chance to win strikeouts, right? That's a lot. He's gonna he's not gonna strike out 150 guys. Right. In spring training, uh, it was an 8.5 walk percent and uh, rate and a 21.1 K percent. That K percent is a little bit elevated from his, I'd say, five-year average even, but it's not exceptional. So I think that, that the Astros could, with a little coaching, coax some things out of him. It's one of the reasons I put him on my deep sleeper list this year. But, I, yeah, I agree. I just don't think the upside's great cause, because the Ks aren't going to be uh, – Elite or anything. I mean, if you want, if you want an Astros starter to to invest in with strike, I mean, I think Kyle McHugh is going to have a really good season. He he, he's he adjusted his slider. He had more velocity on his fastball last season. He's back in the rotation. I'm not saying 200 strikeouts, but I think Kyle McHugh will be more valuable than Wade Miley this season. And I think he's available in a lot of leagues. And eventually, we'll see what happens with Josh James, Brad Peacock. It's a good team. That's I have the Astros winning the World Series over the Phillies. Ditto, but not over the Phillies. A lot of people have the Astros. They're they're a little bit popular in case you hadn't heard. <laughs> I like Brad Kyle, Peacock, by the way. Quick. That's my guy. Kyle, a little quick here to say he doesn't have the NL team the same as mine. Who do you have in the World Series, got, Kyle? I'm going Dodgers. Okay, well that you know, that's boring, but okay. Yeah, I didn't claim to be exciting. Uh, no, you didn't. Leo, uh, what's your World Series raise against uh, Durham Bulls? What do you got? <laughs> raise against Durham Bulls, that would be great. Um, <laughs> some might argue that lineup-wise are pretty much the same thing. Uh, I don't remember, because we always do that Mark Simon competition thing where he asks people to predict, and I forget what I picked. Um, but I remember two teams that I had going well, so I'm just going to go bold and say that they're my World Series picks. I'm going to say A's, Phillies. I like it. They they formerly share the same exactly hometown. yeah they're, they're a little bit of a little bit of not really rivalry but friendly rivalry and I saw well they never played each other right <laughs> there was no interleague play and <laughs> the Phillies were like the losingest team of all time they never made the world they made the world series once in like fifty and fifteen um, but I saw you tweeted out your favorite teams for this year and you're a Rays fan mm-hmm. so you got Padres second Phillies third. Yes. Uh, and then anybody playing the Yankees fourth. <laughs> what well, that was facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yankees like, and Cardinals. Your baseball fandom is just, ah, oh, I hate the Yankees. <laughs> I don't like a team. I just, I'm full of hate. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I am a Rays fan, so I have a little more motivation. Like, I know a lot of people are Yankee haters and that's a popular thing, but I mean, I am a division rival. Like, I would, uh, I would say the same about everyone but the Orioles because the Orioles are. We're you using know. rival awfully loosely here. Hey. They're, they play in the town the Yankees train in in spring training. Yeah, I think he could call them a rival. Yeah. yeah, easy there, Skippy. What's your favorite team? Yeah, I'm a Cardinals fan, and that was also listed on Leo's hate list here. So, oh, good. Man. I don't like them either. Man. Well, you never lived anywhere near St. Louis. Why would I you like? I grew the up in the McGuire era. It's where all my favorite. We teams... all did. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be Cardinal fans. 
I'm amazed oh, you heard of Mark McGuire. Weren't you like three when he was around? I, that was the beginning of my fandom was McGuire, so I, oh. I hung tough with him. Yeah. Yeah, you know it wasn't it wasn't clean what he did, right? You're aware of that. <laughs> I, I was like seven, so I, I liked what I saw and I stuck with it. I'm He's, loyal like that. Kyle is currently wearing a Cardinal shirt, but it does have an asterisk on it. Hey, so. no. <laughs> Hey, whatever, whatever gets you through a show, dude. Um, we didn't get Tristan's next? pick. Oh, he is Yankee. I hit, no, I don't. I hate my pick now because I sent it in on the 20th and I don't feel good about having the Indians as the AO rep anymore. I had Nationals well. over Indians. At this point, though, I, I think I gotta go back to the Astros. I'm still taking the Nationals. I like it. I, like I have it. twins and I have twins winning that division and I, I don't that. think I'm alone. And I, yeah, so. I'm, I'm really warming to that. I, <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland's lineup is you know, not going to be so good for the next week or two. Ew, next I month. Opening day lineup. Oh. All right, let's get a couple more names in here. Yeah, we got a last question here. Which is more likely in 2019? Andrew is wondering. Tim Anderson duplicates 2018, or Jonathan Scope rediscovers his form from two years ago? More Ooh. likely. Okay. I think both are going to happen to some degree. Like, I, I don't think. I think Scope's batting average when he was in Baltimore was always kind of like, how does he do that? How does he keep doing that without, but with drawing like nary a walk a week and how to get that in. But I do think Scope bounces back in Minnesota to like 25 homers, but maybe like 260. Tim Anderson with the stolen bases, like, why can't he do that again? He was a, he was bad in the second half of the season, Tristan. That's why we don't really believe he can duplicate his entirety of the season, right? Right, right. Um, Anderson's plate approach is just quite questionable. Um, I, I think but it's, he, it's a 2020 profile. That's the thing. It's, it, he could 20 homers, 20 steals. I, yeah, I actually, I mean, if, if, if what we're trying to, to nail scope to is the 2017 stat line, I would call that a no way, no how. I think Anderson repeating on the dot last year is, substantially more likely. I d- but I do think Scope improves. I think he will improve, and I think it'll be by a good amount. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. say, I feel like there's a world in which Anderson is a little better from a fantasy perspective because I feel like that there's room to grow in his BABIP and his batting average, and like even if he does walk literally 1% of the time, like he could just hit 260 2020 yep. and be slightly better. Um, yeah, Scope, obviously, that one season was special. And... I'm not sure that we can quite get that again. Did you see how many walks D. Gordon had last year? <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. The walk rate was how, so... how, how can nobody say to him, just take some more pitches? Maybe they're just throwing strikes all the time. But, like, how can he not realize his job is to get on base? Like, how can nobody in Seattle be telling him that? I He's know, never been a, a big walker, though. Is that... Oh, yeah. But, you know, some... Is a is a one percent walk rate and a point eight one zero eight one ISO the lowest combination of walk rate and ISO in the league? It's got to be up there. I it's mean, got to be really more close. than twice <laughs> as many probably. steals as walks for his career. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... I mean that's like a nineteen seventies middle infielder stat line where I, I like and they used to bat those guys second, but nine walks in yeah. five hundred and eighty eight plate appearances. That's unbelievable, even for him. Anyway. There was a. There was a period of time I didn't think he was capable of putting the ball over the fence a single time. I remember early in his career. But by the way, when you say with with him, I, I do think one of the telling lineups that we don't have in yet is, and I think they will do this, put Malik Smith in the top spot. D. Gordon's down to nine. 
Yeah, you know, Smith barely played in spring training, so you know we'll see what happens with that. But there's there's Seattle's an interesting lineup. You know, people are going to think I'm crazy. It's not that much different than it was last year, right? I mean, they lost pieces, of course, but no, you know, Sandino. Domingo Santana is going to no, Domingo uh... Santana is going to be good, I think. And you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people agree. They didn't have Cano for half the year. Um, Edwin's going to hit, do what he does. I mean, they've got some pieces there. I don't know. It's it. No, I'd, I'd agree. It's not awful. I mean, I think people look at Seattle like a non-contending team, and it'll be a terrible offense. I don't think it's a terrible offense. It's definitely I mean, like different. some of these lineups. Orioles. That's that's an offense. Marlins. White Sox are leading off with Lurie Garcia today and batting Eloy five. I don't know why. Um, there's some, you know, Ian Kinsler's leading off for the Padres. You can argue he should be batting eighth for the Padres. Did you look at Batista's the Cubs yet? batting sixth. Wow, so they're not playing uh, Hunter Renfro today. How about that? Um, Cubs, uh, let me get to that. They've got Alex David Bodie playing at second. They've got Mark Zagunis in left field for today. And, I, I mean, I get it. Lefty, Kyle Schwarber for left. Uh, ben Zobers is the DH. But, yeah, yeah I, 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 don't, I don't feel like this is quite as amazing a lineup as I was expecting it would be. <laughs> no, I mean, basically the Cubs go two through four. Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. Wilson Contreras, people are high on again. He showed no power last year at all. The, that, that lineup after Baez is Contreras, Bote, Zobrist, Haywards. Why isn't Zobrist leading off? I mean, I got. I know it's against a lefty. He gets on. I just signed Zobrist in Tat Wars mixed fifteen to replace Steven Souza. Mm-hmm. Uh, some interesting stuff happened in that in that league too. Anyway, hope your lineups are all in, and I hope you do well this weekend. It's a four day weekend. Obviously, on our show every week. We'll be back on Monday. We'll discuss the injuries and the big performances and the bad performances and all that stuff. So please return to us on Monday. Thanks so much to the people who make this show great. Leo Howell, um, Kyle Sapi, Tristan Cockroft, and I am Eric Carabell. Enjoy opening day and have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome.